from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Uh, welcome everybody to the flagship podcast interview. We are well. I'm Chip Brown, of course. Uh, joined today by Dave Softy Mahler of KJR Radio in Seattle, and has uh, covered the Washington Husky program for years, doing the coaches' shows, the pregame shows, the postgame shows. No one better to talk to about new Texas defensive coordinator and possibly a new co-coordinator Jeff Choate, the Montana State. <laughs> Uh, head coach, then Softy Mahler. So, Softy, thanks for joining us, man. No problem. What's happening? You guys fired up for the uh, Sark Kwiatkowski era to begin now uh, down there? Because I know I would be if I were a Texas fan, man. I think it's a, I think it's a great hire by the Longhorns. I think Coach K is a great defensive coordinator, one of the best in the country. So, I hope, uh, I hope Texas fans are ready to win again, baby, and get back to where you guys were under Mac Brown because the. Uh, that's the standard. That's the bar I know for you guys. And uh, if I were a Longhorn fan, I would think that we're a lot closer to that now than we've been in the last maybe eight or nine years. So I'd be pretty fired up if I were you guys. Well, I'm excited to get your perspective because you've covered the Washington Huskies program long enough. You were you remember the Ty Willingham days. Oh, oh. sorry about that. Um, oh. And then oh. the Sark days and then the Chris Peterson days when Pete Kwiatkowski, PK, as I guess he's known up yep. in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so take us through that timeline so that people have the Sark, um, you know, understanding of, of uh, or the, the understanding of the Sark days at Washington. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, first of all, with KJR for 26 years, uh, going back to March of 94. So this March is actually my 27th year uh, with these guys and uh, have, you know, been covering the Huskies for a long time through the, Jim Lambright era, you know, the win in Miami, the whammy in Miami down there, uh, the Aloha Bowl win in 97 against Nick Saban when he was at Michigan State, the New Heisel era with the Rose Bowl win over Drew Brees and Purdue and the, and the gambling controversy that got Rick let go and the Niners situation that led to that. And then, you know, keep Keith Gilbertson taking over, Tyrone Willingham taking over the, the uh, 2008 season. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, man. That was pretty much a disaster. <laughs> and let me tell you something about that right away. Uh, j- just so you guys know, I-, I-, I don't know if Texas has ever had to deal with this. I don't think you have ever had a winless season in Longhorn history, at least not in the modern era. But there is a major difference between going 1-11 and 11 and 0-12. Trust me, I know, because I went through both of them. <laughs> one, one, one with Keith Gilbertson and one with Tyrone Willingham. So... Those days, thank God, are over. Uh, you know, are they ever going back to what they were like in the 90s under Don James and the 80s under Don James? We'll see. You know, I mean, we thought Chris Peterson was going to be around for a while. He was here for seven years and a little abrupt when he decided to step down and let Jimmy Lake take over the gig. But, you know, I would say, first of all, the Steve Sarkeesian era, in my opinion, was an absolute success. I mean, you think about the odds, first of all, Chip, of a guy – taking over an 0-12 program and then taking it all the way back to the top and winning a conference championship. Usually the guy that takes over the 0-12 program will get a program back to respectability and then somebody else will come in and kind of take that next step. 
And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the guy goes five and seven in his very first year on the job, comes within one game of being eligible for a bowl, and then gets to a bowl game the very next year and beats Nebraska in the Holiday Bowl after Nebraska had hammered them at home in Seattle earlier in September. So I, I, I just think for what Steve Sarkeesian inherited, for what he took over, you know, to eventually get that program to nine wins, uh, put some talent in the NFL, lots of talent, as a matter of fact, uh, in the NFL, guys like Danny Shelton, uh, Marcus Peters was recruited by Steve Sarkeesian, who's one of the best corners in the NFL, Austin Safarian Jenkins, uh, Desmond Trufant, uh, guys like that, Shaq Thompson, the star linebacker for the Panthers. So uh, he, I, I, I think for what he inherited, Steve Sarkeesian did a fabulous job. And you got to keep in mind that when he took over the gig, he was like, what, 35, 36 years old? 33. Yeah, he was just a young dude, right, when he took over that job. So maybe a bit, you know, in over his head, maybe not. But I think he's learned a lot of lessons. Uh, He's cleaned up his life, obviously. It's a guy that went from the bottom, literally, back to the top again in college football. And he lost his family. He lost his reputation. He lost his job. Had to go into rehab, you know, obviously to kick the alcohol addiction. So to see Steve Sarkeesian fall all the way down to the bottom, really just kind of the pits, you know, from not just a college football coaching perspective, but also a life perspective. And to see him now rally and bounce back and be the hottest coordinator in the country and now have the job at Texas. I'm just I'm just super happy for him. I think you guys are getting Sark at a great time in his life. Um, he's obviously been reborn. He's refocused. He's got some great ideas for offenses. He's hiring a great defensive staff, including coach K and Jeff Choate. So I think you guys are getting to start an awesome time, dude. Well, let's, uh, let's get to, uh, PK Pete Kwiatkowski, because this sort of came out of nowhere. Um, I mean, for us, obviously as, uh, folks who cover the Texas program and, and are sometimes asleep when, you know, Pac-12 at night comes on, um, <laughs> you know, but Pete Kwiatkowski, I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been successful, whether it was Boise State, uh, Washington, you name right. it. So what tell people about Pete Kwiatkowski? Well, you know, there's the old cliche and people throw this stuff out there like he's a great guy. He's really a good dude. You're going to love him. And I, I don't really know how important that stuff is, to be totally honest with you, but he is a great guy. <laughs> I mean, he's a really good dude to be around. He'll be great with the media. He's kind of one of those kind of leave me alone and let me coach football type of guys. Um, yeah. But when he does meet with the media, you know, he's he's always going to give you stuff. He's always going to be respectful. He's always going to be a nice dude. And I've been around some coaches, as I'm sure you have as well, that are are, are not like that, that, that just kind of look down to the media, look down at fans and, you know, just have no desire to really be a part of anything you know, off the practice field or on game day. So Pete's a, Pete, uh, Pete's a really good dude, number one. And, and then number two, he's, he's obviously an a, uh, incredible defensive mind. Um, and there's a lot of examples I can give you about him. But I think one of the greatest examples and one of the best reasons why I'd be fired up for a te- you know, to be a Texas fan is the amount of air raid style offenses that you guys see in the Big 12. This guy owns the air raid. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but the air raid has had no chance against Pete Kwiatkowski and his defense in the last seven years. You think about Mike Leach, Chip, and everything he's done to defenses around the country and obviously ran into some trouble with Mississippi State 
in his first year this year, but Mike Leach's offenses generally are high octane, uh, like, you know, like uh, Sark says, uh, all gas, no breaks. And they've done really well up until the Apple Cup. I mean, the last seven years, 13, 15, 14, 17, 10, 13, they've had no chance against Washington's defense. So that's one thing that would fire me up uh, as a Texas fan is, you know, can't wait to see what Pete Kukouch is, uh, what his defense can do against Lincoln Riley's offense when you play Oklahoma. And, and then number two, just the player development, man. I mean, think about all the, all the pros, all the secondary players, you know, Buda Baker's a star with the Cardinals. Sidney mm. Jones has kind of been reborn. Kevin King in Green Bay. Uh, you know, Marcus Peters, even though he was recruited by Sark, was coached up a bit by, by PK before Chris Peterson kicked him off the team, obviously. Uh, Greg Gaines with the Rams. Vita Vea, who's one of the best run-stuffing nose tackles in the NFL with Tampa. All these guys played for Pete Kwiatkowski. Even Ben Burkirvin. Uh, is on the, the Seahawks special team staff uh, as a linebacker. So he's done a great job putting guys into the NFL. And I also think between him and Sark, you guys are going to have a great pipeline to California. And, and I'm not even talking about just getting guys that don't work out like that debacle with McCoy and, you know, what happened with Floyd having, to, you know, the medical retirement, I believe with him, guys like Caleb Johnson that transferred, uh, I think, you know, it was, you know, uh, two years ago, three years ago, there's one guy from Cal that stuck on the, Texas roster and it was what Adam Mora the safety I believe so yeah so I just softy Mahler just whipping out all the California recruits to Texas well I just think it's one of the first things you look at if you're a Texas fan because Steve Sarkeesian has a great foothold in California and by default uh, Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate will as well so I think it's time for Texas fans to start expecting that you guys are going to be in the mix for some of the great talents in California. Uh, obviously, Texas is, you know, the backyard, and you guys get a ton of talent from the state of Texas. But to be able to dip your toe into California, especially now that USC is a little bit down, to be totally honest with you, uh, this is a great chance for you guys to rob some of those guys from Cal. And PK and Choate and Sark will all be a big factor when it comes to that stuff. But, you know, look, I mean – The air raid and what they've done in the Apple Cup has been impressive. The player development has been impressive. Um, But they just don't get pushed around by anybody. I mean, they have a streak of 70-plus games of not allowing more than 35 points in a game, which by today's standards in college football is unbelievable, right? I mean, 35 35 is like, you know, the new 20 uh, in in, 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 uh, 2021. So – the fact that they've gone that long without really getting pushed around by anybody is a huge testament to Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake. Hey, Ricky Williams came from California. Heisman, one of only two Heisman Trophy yeah. winners at Texas. So Texas yeah. fans have, have, uh, have had some great experience with, with California kids. Um, okay, so when we look at Pete Kwiatkowski and his scheme, yeah. I, I find it fascinating. I went back and watched uh, a bunch of Washington football games and – the, the four-down linemen, the two interior tackles, the two stand-up uh, defensive ends, outside linebackers, um, right. usually uh, you know some form of nickel. Uh, yep. Looks like he wants interchangeable guys so that you can't yep. identify you know certain you know strong safety and all that. But uh, you tell us, Softy. No, that's exactly right. Uh, first of all, the versatility aspect is huge with them, especially in the secondary. Uh, Miles Bryant, who I believe is still with the Patriots, played nickel. He played corner. He played safety. 
while he was with the Huskies. And that's the kind of defensive back they want. They want a guy who can play every single secondary position. As a matter of fact, on the Husky depth chart, they don't even list corners or safeties. They just list defensive backs. That's it. Wow. So the, the versatility of the Husky secondary player has been amazing. They want guys that can play all three positions back there. Uh, there's times where you'll see a lot of dime. Uh, there's times, depending on the offense, obviously, where you can see seven defensive backs uh, in a game. They also love to blitz their safeties. Uh, Buda Baker blitzed a lot when he was here. Taylor Rapp, who's now at the Rams, uh, blitzed a ton when he was in Seattle. And I'm not even talking about just blitzing guys off the edge, Chip. I'm talking about blitzing guys right up the A-gap, right up the gut. I mean, if you can get to a practice, if they open them up, and even get to a game and stand right in the end zone, you know, watch those safeties just roll right up the middle and get after a quarterback, man. They're going to recruit some bigger safeties, some faster safeties, some safeties that can pop, uh, not just, you know, in the run, but also shed blocks and get the quarterback. So you'll see a lot of blitzes from the back end. Uh, they run a standard 3-4, but like you said, most of the time those outside linebackers are either lined up in a two-point stance on the line of scrimmage or have their hand on the ground. So at times it looks like a four, two, five uh, when they're in nickel, but they just like to be multiple. I mean, they like to give defenses or excuse me, offenses a lot of different looks. And if there's one real example I can give you of a night where I just thought that their scheme was incredible, go back and find, if you can on YouTube, the 2016 win over Stanford, you know, Stanford came in with some problems on defense with some corners banged up and things like that. But Christian McCaffrey was on the field for the Cardinal that day, and he did nothing, nothing against the Husky defense. Look at how disciplined they were using guys like Sidney Jones to set the edge and you know, occupy a spot and shove McCaffrey back inside so somebody else could make a tackle. It was one of the more disciplined defensive approaches I've ever seen in my life on that night. It was a Friday night. Uh, against Stanford. It was an awesome win for UW. It was kind of the game where people thought the Huskies had arrived in, under Chris Peterson. So if you want to see what his defense can do against a real top-notch NFL superstar like Christian McCaffrey, go go find that 2016 Stanford game and you tell me if you're not drooling after you're done watching that bad boy. I love it. I love it. Um, and and <clears throat> PK is uh, Pete Kwiatkowski talking, of course, to uh, – to Dave Softy Mahler of KJR Radio here on the flagship podcast. In fact, we'll take a quick break um, and we'll come back with Softy because I want to I want to get into the fire and ice of uh, uh, the ice of Pete Kwiatkowski and the yep. fire of of Jeff Choked. We'll we'll get <laughs> into that. So Softy, let's pick up there. Let's pick up with. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, he he gets the defensive. Well, before we move there, let's let's get into the circumstances because I know you talked to Pete Kwiatkowski, and I think you asked him point blank, "Are yeah. you leaving Washington because you're unhappy or because of tension with Jimmy Lake?" What uh, what's your impression of of why Pete Kwiatkowski is a lifer in the Pacific Northwest is ready for this move to Texas? Yeah, you know, I think I think there's a couple factors. Uh, number one, I think you're talking about a guy who's in his mid-50s and frankly, you know, knows if he's ever going to take a shot like this that it's going to probably have to happen now, right? Uh, otherwise, he's going to end up, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's going to end up being, as you said, a lifer on the West Coast, a lifer in the Pacific Northwest. And 
never get a real flavor for what the rest of the college football world looks like. I mean, you know, a lot of us sit around, you know, and, and again, I mentioned I've been with KJR for 26 years. I mean, for me at this point in my life to move would be pretty scary, right? I mean, I'm 47 years old. I was born and raised in Seattle, so I've never really been anywhere else. So uh, to take that chance and go to a different city, go to a different place, a little nerve wracking, but I, uh, I actually envy Pete Kukowski for getting a chance to do that. So he's going to be able to, you know, live his life and, you know, have his career with no regrets when it's all said and done and, and say that he tried everything and he's got a shot to go have access to much better talent. I think down there uh, at Texas, work with a guy in Steve Sarkeesian who's going to leave him alone. He's going to be basically the head coach of the defense, which let's face it, as long as Jimmy Lake is in Seattle, he's not the head coach of the defense because defense is Jimmy's forte. Uh, and he's going to also uh, be complimented by an offensive coordinator that was averaging 48 points a game last year. And I think that Texas, in the end, can get just as good a talent on offense as Alabama can. So I don't think there's any doubt that the Longhorns are going to score some points. I'm very curious to see how fast Sart goes and the tempo of the offense and what kind of impact that has on, on PK's defense. But nevertheless, I just think he was ready for a change. You know, I don't think there's any real acrimony uh, between him and Jimmy. Uh, I mean, you know, people have to remember that in 2018, just three years ago, Jimmy Lake became the defensive coordinator because Pete Kwiatkowski went to Chris Peterson and said, hey, look, uh, I've been doing this long enough. If we don't give the kid a raise and more responsibility, he's probably going to take off and go somewhere. So uh, it, it, it was it was actually Pete's idea. People think it was Peterson's idea. No, it was it was it was Pete's idea, PK's idea to let Jimmy Lake take over the defense. So I, I just you know, have a hard time imagining Pete Kwiatkowski three years ago being that supportive of Jimmy Lake and then three years later being so irritated with him that he's ready to take off and leave the Northwest for the first time in his life. So I don't buy any of that. Uh, as, as Pete said, he actually said it's BS on the air. Those were his words, not mine. And let's face it, Chip, he's probably getting a healthy raise. Do we know what he's making, by the way, in Texas? Has that been out yet? I think it's uh, just under $2 million. Okay, perfect. So he's, he's basically getting 100% raise. I mean, he's now <laughs> the highest paid coordinator in the Big 12 because Grinch, I think, Grinch was making 1.8 at Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, look, I like Alex Grinch, right? You know, we knew him when he was at Washington State. Yep. Alex Grinch cannot hold Pete Kwiatkowski's jock. <laughs> Pete Kwiatkowski is a much better defensive coordinator than Alex Grinch is, for sure. I mean, give him credit for what he's done in Oklahoma. That's fine. But Pete Kukowski deserves to be the highest paid defensive coordinator in the Big 12. He's getting a million dollar raise. He's going to a place where a million bucks goes a lot further in Austin than it does in Seattle. Uh, there's no question about that. And look, I mean, there's also a perception in the Pac-12 about the money they spend on assistant coaches. I mean, this guy was the, was the 26th highest paid assistant coach in college football. And the highest paid in the in the Pac-12, in the, in the top 58, the Pac-12 only had four assistant coaches, and the SEC had 25, Big Ten had 16, the Big 12 had eight. So th this actually brings up another conversation about the Pac-12, if they want to get serious about winning, they're going to have to start paying their assistant coaches because for PK to leave Seattle and get an instant million-dollar raise – uh, that's a problem for the Pac-12 because so far they have not been able to compete with that. But I don't know, man, you're 55 years old, whatever. You want to go out and experience something new, uh, go work for a place like Texas, go work for a guy like Sark. 
You know the offense is going to be great. You know you're going to have a great chance to recruit some pretty awesome players. And, oh, by the way, you're getting a million-dollar raise. I mean, that sounds pretty easy to me. Well, um, so that leads us to Jeff Choate, who I, yes. I heard, and you would know better than I, it might be a candidate for that Washington defensive coordinator job that PK right. just vacated. And Sarkeesian and, and PK uh, get Jeff Choate, who had had – worked under PK at a couple different stops at, at Boise and Washington. Uh, also yep. worked for Will Muschamp at Florida in 2013, uh, became the head coach at Montana State in 2016 and led them to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs in, in 2019 before the 2020 season in the Big Sky was canceled because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on Jeff Choate. Uh, he's going to be your, one of your favorite interviews on the assistant coaching staff. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you, you kind of sound like me that you love to talk to all the coaches on the staff, you know, some, some writers and some media people just want to hear from the head coach. I I find that I get way more from the assistant coaches, uh, than I ever do from the head coach. So if you've got a habit of talking to all the assistant coaches on the Texas staff, Jeff Choate is going to quickly become one of your favorite guys to talk to. He's, he's Frank, he's blunt, he's honest, he's fiery. He's got a personality. He's energetic. He's a great fun dude to talk to. And Oh, by the way, he knows defensive lines and special teams. I mean, uh, when he was here at UW, man, uh, you're talking about guys like Vita Vea. Uh, you're talking about guys like Greg Gaines that learned under him, that tutored under him. Uh, he took off before the 2016 season, obviously, but, He's a guy that had a huge impact on some of the best defensive linemen in Washington football history and also did a great job with the special teams unit, you know, when he was here in Seattle. I mean, Dante Pettis is the greatest punt returner uh, in the history of the NCAA from a statistical perspective, and he was groomed under Jeff Choate. Uh, You know, people kind of look at Jeff Choate and just think of a a defensive guy as a defensive line guy, and I don't know what Sark is going to have him do in regards to special teams, but even if there's another special teams coach on the staff, just having that extra set of eyes and Jeff Choate, who did great things with the Husky special team staff here, is going to be a huge, huge bonus uh, for Steve Sarkeesian to have a guy that's versatile like that. So, and then you think about you know what what he's done with the unique uh, you know players he's got. I mean, Will Disley, who's playing tight end in the NFL for the Seahawks and was on pace to have a pretty good couple years before he blew his Achilles out last season. You know, he came to UW as a defensive lineman from Montana, and Jeff Choate went up to him and said, hey, man, what do you think about moving to tight end? And now Will Disley is going on into his fourth year in the NFL uh, after that wow. move was made by Jeff Choate. So, um, you know, again, we talk about the versatility of the secondary players that Pete Kukowski has. Uh, you're getting some guys that are also pretty damn versatile when it comes to coaches, too. It's almost like instead of having, you know, nine or ten guys that just coach a position – you got guys that can dip their toe in any position on that side of the ball. And, and Jeff Choate's one of those guys, man. So, you know, former head coach, obviously, uh, was great here with us in Seattle. Phenomenal guy to talk to. Going to work his ass off in recruiting. You know, you think about all the recruiters on that Texas staff. And, uh, Chip, you know as well as I, every coach is not a quote-unquote recruiter. Right per se. Every coach is not a hammer recruiter. I would not think that Pete Kukowski is going to be one of your hammer recruiters. He's not a zero, but he's not a hundred either. And that's okay because everybody has their role and you got guys on that staff can, that, that, that can recruit for sure. Uh, Jeff Choate is going to be one of those guys that will get people fired up in people's living rooms for sure. 
Well, it's, it's fascinating because, um, he's, uh, you know, he's got that, the fire. And in fact, I talked to Dan Hawkins, uh, last oh, yeah. night and yeah. Hawk said, yeah, he said the choder, he calls him the choder, um, <laughs> is going to be the fire to PK's ice. And yes, he, he, he loves the fact. And by the way, you mentioned the special teams coordination. He's Sark has three special teams coordinators, uh, on his staff in Jeff Banks from Alabama, Blake Gideon from Ole Miss and yep. Jeff Choate. So they divide, they divide those, those things up among coaches. They should have no problem, uh, nailing, nailing special teams at, at Texas with this staff. But, um, what, uh, you know, having PK, having a guy who he's worked with, how important is that? Do you think for, uh, for this Texas defense? Yeah, you know, I think it's important, but it's not anything that I would say is, you know, kind of a requirement, to be totally honest with you. I mean, he's he's never had a chance to really work with Sark, so having Choate there with him, you know, I mean, I guess it's nice to come to the office and see a, a friendly face, but, I mean, these guys are going to bond so much in the next eight or nine months before the season starts in September that by the time they get to spring ball and fall camp, uh, it, it's just not going to matter. I mean, there's just – there's other guys on that staff too. I believe that Pete Krakowski knows that he considers friends. I have to go back and yeah, look Jeff at who Banks else guys... is the guy. Yeah, Jeff Banks, exactly. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, because he mentioned that on the show the other day that there that he was really fired up about the staff he was putting together. So I think it's good, you know, maybe in some ways if he was, you know, homesick. But I don't think that's going to be the case with with Pete Krakowski. You know, him and his wife are going down there, obviously, and he's got friends on the staff, and he's going to. He's going to bunker himself into a film room and, uh, you know, the weight room and all that stuff for the next seven or eight months and and start firing off some great ideas. So um, I just I don't know, dude, I know that I'm just kind of over the top with the compliments for Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Chope. But I, I, I just think this is a killer staff that you guys are putting together. And you think about Steve Sarkeesian, man, and everything he's been through and where his reputation was and. He's not going to blow this. I mean, Sark is not going to blow this at all. He, he is going to work his ass off uh, to make sure that Texas football gets back to where it used to be. And then you start thinking about, all right, if he can pull that off, if he can start winning down there, could he be a lifer? Could he be the next Mac Brown and be there for 15, 20 years? Does he take off one day and go to the NFL? Does he become Saban's replacement one day down the road at Alabama? Those are obviously all good problems to have because it means the Texas Longhorns are winning. But um, I think it's an awesome hire, man. I think it's a great, great hire and a great, and maybe even better chip, a great time to get Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, let's face it. Steve Sarkeesian had to prove a lot to a lot of people after he hit bottom with the bottle. He had to prove he was on the way back. He had to prove that he could be trusted. He had to prove that he could be responsible. And I think you got a guy who has learned and tutored under two of the best coaches in the history of football and Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. And uh, I think you're getting Sark and his staff at an awesome time. Well, um, and again, really appreciate all the time with, uh, with Softy Mahler, longtime radio voice uh, on KJR, the, the torch stick in Seattle, um, and, and does all the coaches' shows, pregame, postgame shows for the Huskies. You know, fans pay attention to the message boards, and the message boards mm-hmm. at Washington were going, you know, they were – they were saying, oh, no, we're losing PK. And, of course, Texas fans pay attention. Are the fans uh, sad when a coach leaves? Or are they happy? 
Um, yeah. what, uh, what's your impression of, of where Washington goes from here with, with Jimmy Lake, who's obviously, as you mentioned, um, you know, come up through the ranks on the defensive side under Chris Peterson, uh, PK right. helps him become the, the defensive coordinator there. Um, and year one as a head coach, three and one, you know, the limited schedule in the PAC 12, what's your thought on, uh, on Washington? Well, there's definitely some concern about losing Pete Kwiatkowski. I mean, you know, just you got to consider that him and Jimmy have been together for seven years in Seattle. Um, and what, five of those seven, they had the number one defense in the Pac-12. Uh, 2014, their first year, they were number six. And then they were number one for four years in a row after that. So five of the seven, they were number one. And that, that was PK and Jimmy together the entire time. So I'm not saying Jimmy Lake can't do it. I think Jimmy Lake is a great defensive mind. He's an incredible secondary coach, but we haven't seen it yet without Pete Kwiatkowski, right? So now we're about to see what Jimmy Lake does when he's truly on his own. He's got some good names and guys like Kaika Malloy, who played linebacker at UW, who is now the defensive line coach. But what do I think they'll do to replace him? I think they'll probably go out and try to find a guy with some NFL ties. I mean, Jimmy Lake is all about the NFL. You know, look, man, a lot of coaches try to shy away from that kind of talk. But Jimmy Lake will literally tell you publicly that everything they do from their game plans to their practice to their meeting schedules, everything they do is modeled after what they do in the NFL when he was with teams like Tampa Bay. So I think he'll see a guy that's got some NFL ties. He went out and got John Donovan, who was an assistant running backs coach with the Jaguars last year. You know, he kept saying, all my NFL guys kept saying, John Donovan, John Donovan, John Donovan. Nobody had any idea who the hell John Donovan was. He was actually fired at Penn State and replaced by Joe Moorhead, who's now the offensive coordinator at Oregon, by the way. Um, but, you know, he, he really leans and relies on his NFL contacts for coaches. And I think he'll do the same thing here. A lot of folks are talking about Ikeika Malloy getting the D.C. job, and, you know, they may eventually go that way. But I, I, I just think if Jimmy really wanted to do that, that would have been done already, right? Yeah. I mean, they could have made that move last week. Right. Uh, so I think he's looking for some NFL, NFL experience, NFL ties at defensive coordinator for sure. Well, great stuff with, uh, with Dave Softy Mahler, longtime voice on KJR Radio in Seattle. Um, I, I have a feeling we'll be talking again, Softy, as, as things progress because um, – I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest in the Pacific Northwest and what Texas is doing with Sark having been the head coach there and now PK and, and yeah. Jeff Choate being a part of this. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of folks up here that are still really you know, happy for Steve and, and you know, look at Steve as a guy that did great things for Husky football. There's also a lot of people that you know, were upset that he took off to go to USC, which, you know, I mean, the guy's going to his hometown. He's going to a, a place where he was really kind of born and bred as, as an assistant coach under Pete Carroll. He's from Torrance, California. So going back home. So I couldn't blame the guy at all for going back to USC, but I'd love to see UW in Texas, get a little home and home thing going here, man. It'd be awesome. And I still have nightmares about that holiday bowl in 2002 with major Applewhite torching yeah. Chris Massey over and over and oh. over again in San Diego. So I want some redemption, baby. Let's I get love the Longhorns it. back on the schedule. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was uh, Major Applewhite. He he got the uh, got the start over Chris Sims on his way out and uh, oh. made the most of it. Unfortunately for Husky fans, but only you and I would remember that, Softy. I mean, we're, we've been around long enough to remember that stuff. Yeah. 
Well, I remember more Chris Massey getting blown up, <laughs> uh, get, getting torched on every play. And, and then I remember going to Tijuana the next night and soaking my sorrows in a bottle of tequila at some shady bar down there. So maybe uh, by the time this, uh, this matchup comes along, if we can meet in a bowl game like that, and this damn COVID thing is over, we can find our way across the border and, and share a worm in Tijuana. You and Absolutely. Me. I, I look forward <laughs> to it, my God. Well, thanks so much to, uh, to Softy Mahler of KJR Radio and all of his expertise on Husky football and uh, Pete Kwiatkowski and, and Jeff Choate. And thank you for listening to the Flagship Podcast. Um, until next time, I am Chip Brown. Uh, stay safe and keep the faith.